again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. 41-year-old Tom Brady has played 19 seasons for the New England Patriots, winning three MVP awards and six Super Bowls, including the one here in Atlanta earlier this month. As great as he is, his NFL career will someday end. Are they ready? Lead teacher Randy Pope starts a new series, The Fight, first part of this message entitled Fighting to Number Our Days, which covers Psalm 90. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Let's pray and let's prepare for the beginning of this new series. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this uh, great psalm we use today in Psalm 90. We thank you for the goodness that you have shown to each of us in our lives. And Lord, for those of us who are your followers, we know that you have told us in this psalm to number our days. And we want to understand that and we want to do that. And most importantly, we want to, we want to do it with right motives, with the right heart. And so would you use this to prepare us to that end? And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take you first to the heart of the text, and we'll eventually cover it all, but uh, in Psalm 90, verse 12, here is the heart where we get the name for this series. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Now, when we talk about numbering our days, it's the intentionality of one's use of time. Were I to ask you individually in a heart-to-heart, very truthful conversation. Hey, do you feel that whatever you think that means to number your days, intentional use of your time, do you, do you feel that, do you feel that you do a good job on that? How do you, what do you think? And I bet you that there would be maybe a majority, maybe a vast majority of us who would say, I don't, I don't think I I do a great job about, of doing that. In fact, there is a degree in which I feel that that I'm living life and, and life just is kind of rushing by me. And whatever the age may be outside of children are probably saying, wow, this life is going by faster than I ever dreamed. And the older we get, the more we say, it seems to be faster and faster and faster. And then what happens is many of us find ourselves at the place of life where we go, my goodness, there's not much left. And, and it seems like Everything went by without intentionality. I I, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And this is our opportunity in this series to to engage in a fight and say, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna fight this thing of intentionality in the use of our time. Next week, I'm going to uh, introduce uh, the time of the part two of this message by uh, suggesting there are three ways that we can use our time. You can be thinking about these, evaluating yourself. Uh, I'll explain these better next week. One is to blow it foolishly. Live life, let it go, and let's see what happens. Number two, to spend it cautiously. And that would be good that there's thoughtfulness given to our time. We, We are spending it cautiously. And thirdly, though, is to invest it wisely. And that's where we want to get to. I hope at the end of this series, we're saying, that's what I'm doing. I'm now fighting to invest my time more wisely. Now, in order to do that, it's going to require at least these two things. It's going to require us to appropriate the power of God's Spirit or to walk in the Spirit. Now, you that have been around Perimeter a while, I would just hope that that evokes a feeling, a thought of saying, oh, come on, are you going back over that again? I hope till the end of my life that anybody's in my teaching ministry would say, you know what, he was just myopic about this idea of walking in the Spirit. Folks, hear this. You and I cannot live the Christian life. We cannot number our days. We cannot Live the life that God planned us to live if we live as Christians saying, I am so committed and I am so faithful to just doing what God tells me to do and obeying him. That's my life. I just obey God. I obey God. As important as it is to obey God, let me tell you, you and I have to obey God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our own effort to do so without God's power 
leads us to a place that I will assure you at the end of our lives, we'll be saying, uh-uh, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. I'm not gonna teach it during this series. I've taught it much here. I've taught it recently here. But you can go on the website, perimeter.org slash pope, and it has things that Randy most recommends. And I have a little 18-minute teaching there on how to appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that it's on your mind every day, that every day you say, I've consciously appropriated God's Spirit. It's that important. But in addition to that, we have to fight to follow biblical guidelines. And there are some that are important. And we're gonna cover these during this series. The first is to fight for a slower pace. We've just got to, we hear that and we go, oh my goodness, that's gonna, that's gonna hit a, a note of, you know, I understand that. I, this, this pace of life is out of control. And, and I do need to know how to better do that. Well, God's word addresses it. it really does. Number two, the fight for simplicity. I'll assure you this, when we get into the text and start dealing with simplicity, it will not be what you think simplicity is. It will be other. But you gotta understand simplicity. There's a third one, and that is the fight for a single day rest. Actually, I'm not gonna cover that in the series because I just recently covered that topic in another series. But we're gonna make available for you uh, probably even in print, but certainly audio and, and video, uh, where you can get that message of, uh, that won't be a part of the series. But we've just gone through that. I don't wanna go back over it again too quickly, but it's important stuff. If you didn't get it, I'd love to make that available to you at that time. Before we are covering the topic of this text uh, in terms of the how, we need to make sure we see what the text says about the why. Why would we number our days? Why would we fight so hard to that end? And I think our Psalm 90 addresses it just head on. What I'm gonna do today is I'm going to take the outline, give it to you. I'm gonna read the text, just a few brief comments about it. And then I'm gonna ask you if you'll do something that is, I think will be very, very helpful. I'm gonna ask you, if you would, to take the text, Psalm 90, and that you'll take the outline that I leave with you, and this week, you'll read through it over and over numerous times. That you would study the text. Now, study may be something different for some of you than others. If all you do is read the text, ask questions, make observations that you see about the text, that's good enough. Do that, though. And I think next week you'll see why, because I'm gonna dig in on our behalf and be able to give you things that maybe you didn't see and don't think about. And maybe some guidelines that'll help us to better number our days. So here's the outline, and then we'll read the text. Number one. One reason that we fight is because life is short. Listen to the first six verses of Psalm 90. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You've swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning, they're like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. And so we'll delve into this whole issue of the realities that we don't think about much, and that is truly the brevity of life. So that number one. Number two, we are accountable to God for our use of life. So verses seven through 12 get in that, and watch when you start seeing words fury, anger, wrath, those words, and it'll probably raise some questions. Here's what it says. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath, we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it's gone, we fly away. 
Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Isn't that interesting as you read that? The question has to be raised. Now, does God get angry with his people? Does he show wrath to his people? How do we deal with that? Well, we'll certainly cover that next week. Number three, a well-spent life will leave a permanent accomplishment, 13 through 17. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us. Now notice that. You might want to be asking the question, does God afflict his people? Is that the way God does? Well, how do you deal with that? And the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. And there'll certainly be some input there for parenting because it's talking about what this does for the next generation if we number our days. So that'll be a very important issue as well. Now, I want to share for a few minutes what numbering our days has looked like, at least in part for Carol and me, uh, as these last few years relate to my call as the pastor and what we see coming in the future. And so from the beginning, we've had a, uh, a plan with the elders that I meet with on a regular basis. Uh, we've had a plan, and this was literally from the first of the church, that we would have a, an agreement that for the next five years that I would give at least my intention, what I foresee coming for the next five years. Do I plan to be there the whole time? Will I probably leave during that time? Or is it, you know, whatever. But that I would at least give a forecast to that end. It would be their responsibility to very honestly come back to me, evaluate me and say, you know, we appreciate your desire to stay on. We don't think it's effective or we hope you will stay on. We think it's the, you're still doing the job we need to do or whatever. So we've done that now for five years, five years, five years, five years. As it turns out, at our all-in, I gave the first update to, to that for this five-year period, and I shared then at our 40th year and our all-in uh, that we would be moving more and more, I would be moving more and more to the background. And I think everybody understood why. I explained the fact that I wanted to give more and more time to preparing our young leaders, that we have stable of young leaders just raring to bust out. I said, I want to spend time preparing them and getting them ready. As I get older and older, I want to, I want to be able to invest in them. And number two, I want to focus more and more on what one thing I can do that, that probably others can't do as well, and that's some of the things related to our life-on-life -life ministry, uh, which is now national and, and global, and, and they're just, uh, it's a story to be told what's happening there. And so I want to be able to give more and more. And that's what we've been doing during this, this period of this five years. 22 years ago, which happened to be about our 20th year, we were having our little talk, our little evaluation time and so forth. Uh, it got to where it was kind of like, I'm good, you good, yep, okay, okay, and then we move on. Well, this particular time, I said, you know, I, I think we need to, I, need, I think we need to start a transition plan. Well, that sounded obviously as if I was saying, I'm not planning to be here through the five years. And I said, are you, are you planning to leave? I said, I am planning to leave. Hopefully not till you're 40, but I'm, I'm planning to leave. That's definitely coming. And we need to start preparing for that now. Well, that seemed a bit early, but we talked about it and they agreed and said, yeah, we do. And, and I shared one of the things that what we need to do is to, we, there are certain triggers that I see over this 20-year period. There are certain triggers that need to be pulled to get us ready for the next and the next and the next so that when we come to that time, it's going to be well-prepared and ready. Well, as we uh, talked through that, I said the first thing I think we need to do is a whole new concept for us. I said we need to, we need to start a teaching team. Uh, I think it's not important. I think it's, it's very important that people hear other voices than one voice that we not be a one-voice church where it's just what Randy has to say. And this, uh, because when that time does come, whether it's because I, I die, you know, unexpectedly I die, or I, I uh, retire, or whether I get fired, whatever comes first, I don't know. But 
during that time, I, I just think it would be very helpful for them to have been used to hearing multiple voices. Because if I go for 40 years and with one voice for the church and then I leave, it doesn't even matter that it's a better voice that follows me. It'll just be different and that'll be a problem. And so we agreed, okay, let's, let's move to a teaching team. We have never regretted that move. We, uh, I, I thought it would be important for us to have multiple options. And so I presented an idea that, that we not just go the traditional route when it comes to a search for somebody. I said, most churches, what they have to do, the pastor announces that he's leaving or you know, whatever the, he's doing. And, and, the, and the response is from there, well, we need to get us a committee and we need to start going out and looking for somebody. And um, it really is like rolling a dice. It's, it's almost like saying, hey, give me a bunch of photos of pretty people. I'm ready to get married. And, and uh, if, if they agree and they see my photo and they like me as well, um, then let's marry and let's see if we like each other. And that happens in a lot of churches and it's not a pretty ending. So they said, we need, to, we need to have another plan than that. And so here was what I, I presented and we all agreed and said, let's follow this as our plan. Uh, I like to think of it as a, a target and the target has a bullseye. So I'll put that up, a bullseye, which would be, what if there were somebody on our teaching team that might well be the right person when that time for me comes and they would step right in and, and the voice is already being heard. That would be, that would be wonderful. Well, we had a teaching team with many, many great voices coming in and out through here. And so uh, we would have that option to maybe if there was somebody here, that, but we would have no guarantee of that. And so second ring around that would be what we would call our former teaching team. And these are, these are guys that are out there, you know, starting their own churches or pastoring other places and whatever. And uh, we could always say, hey, we don't have somebody here right now that we think's right, but looking at what happened through your ministry and so forth, we, we think you would be a perfect person to come. Would you consider being a candidate for this position now? And, and they would have the right to say yes, or maybe they say, you know, actually, I love the church I planted. I've been here from the beginning, and I, I really don't want to do that. And so maybe that does not pan out either as an option. So we need a backup option. And so the next circle is what we would call our church planting Residency. We have a residency that we started where we bring in two pastors a year usually, two per year. And so we have a two-year period that they're there. So we have four that are always usually with us. And they're getting our DNA. Uh, they're seeing who we are. Does that DNA match with their DNA? How about our philosophy of ministry? What about our theology? Making sure that we're really together. And then they don't ever come on our teaching team, but they go out and plant churches, most of them right here in the Atlanta area. So we said that would be ideal. Then we'd have relationship going with them and we'd have a lot of people out there that we could look at and do the same thing. But maybe there's not someone we truly think's ideal and maybe we do and, and that person says, I'm, I'm really not interested. That's not what I want to do. And so we said, well, one last ring and that is, many of you remember starting years ago, we started a, uh, a Young Leaders series. And the Young Leaders series had multiple reasons, advantages to hear the, some of the great young leaders out there. But, but it was also, in our minds, a way that we can meet people that we can't bring on staff here, but people that may be wonderful and could be God's person for us. And so that would give an opportunity over the weekend to see how the church responds to that voice for us to get to know that person over a few day period. And then I've actually tracked beyond that with to say, okay, this person's really looks like, you know, this could be a potential candidate. So those were the options. If those options didn't work, then we would go to the traditional option. And that is uh, form our, our search committee and go out and start finding who that might be. So that has been the plan. We uh, had an agreement that there needed to be an update of this plan every year throughout the period. So for these last 22 years, every year, our, what we call our ELT, which is our executive leadership team, they're the, they're the, the folks that are on my team over the rest of the staff, and, and we do most of the leadership decisions and directing and so forth. And uh, so they're all about my age, except for one, and we thought, you know, we need a plan for them as well, and uh, we need this updated on an annual basis, and so we've been doing that. As we were working on that, the team realizing we're all getting you know, to the, close to that age where we probably are gonna to need to be thinking very seriously, it's about maybe now time. Um, they, uh, it was their suggestion. I didn't ask them, I didn't push them to this. They said, 
What if we at year 66, and we were all not yet 66, but we said when we hit 66, why don't we have an agreement that we step down off this team and make room for younger leaders to come up? And uh, I was just awed by their willingness because there wouldn't necessarily be a place on staff. There may well be for all. We don't know. But they knew that was a risk they'd be taking at 66 and that, that they would be willing for the good of the church. And so um, the first one to hit 66 was Dan Case. Uh, many of you know Dan, been on our staff for many, many, many years. And uh, uh, our idea was that we would find somebody that we thought was the best person to come in and at age 65 would identify that person and ask them if they'd come on at that point. And so Jamie Short was uh, our unanimous choice to fill that role and has not been a disappointment. Dan did a fabulous job, so has Jamie, and it's just been a, a wonderful transition. We said the way it will work is that each person that comes on, they'll come on uh, with the one going off at year 65, and uh, half a year, they kind of watch and just listen, and we interact with them and train and equip them, and then the next half the year, Dan would be there, but... Jamie was actually doing the work on, he was the one speaking at the meetings and doing the work. And, and then Dan was evaluating and able to, to equip and prepare so that at age 66, Dan slipped off the team and we just kept rolling as normal with Jamie there. Uh, Jeff Norris was added uh, to the team. He didn't replace anybody, but we thought we need, we need younger leadership now. And Jeff had come on our, our staff. We'd watched how God was using him as a leader in our midst and, and a voice that people so listened to. And we said, let's put him on the team as well. So he joined us at that time over young adults and so forth. And then uh, uh, next year, one year from now, Bill Wood is the next one to hit the magic age for us. And uh, so we're now just starting that process with him. And then uh, a year and a half from now, it's Gordon Moore. And Gordon will be hitting that 66th uh, birthday. And then we have one other staff on our team, and uh, he's what we call the baby of the team. It's uh, Chip Sweeney. And uh, Chip has a, a number of years before he hits that age, so we're not, not close to that at this point. But you can see all of us, uh, you know, at the same time, we need to make room for young leaders. Well, at, uh, at year 40, I turned 66. And I'd been prepared and was prepared to do the same thing, but the ELT, our executive leadership team, and the elders, the elder ministry team, which are nine elders uh, that come uh, three per year are put on the team from our body of 300 or so elders. Uh, they're put on the team, three on each year, three off each year. So with me, that makes 10. I have one vote of 10, and that's the way the church works. And it is a healthy way. Always beware if you have a church where the leader, whatever that leader of leaders says, everyone has to do, and that's a dictate. We don't believe that at all. And our elders have voted me down, and I appreciate when we do, and we listen to each other. Very important plan there. But uh, during that time, the EMT and the ELT, both my team and the elder team, both agreed, and they thought it would be helpful if I would be willing to stay longer and stay on the team and be able to to uh, kind of walk this process through its early beginnings and so forth. And so at that point, I said I was ver certainly willing, whatever we needed to do as a church, but at that time we started really digging into the ideal time for me and for the potential next candidate or the candidate for, uh, uh, to replace my role. Uh, Carol was constantly weighing into this. She, I mean, she was constantly giving input because whatever she said was gonna happen anyway, so why not, <laughs> why not, why not just listen to her anyway? We could have saved a lot of time, by the way, just listening to her. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, our initial thought was that at, at our anniversary uh, uh, in September of 2020, that that would be a good time. And so we were mulling that over, and I was certainly open to that. I said, that, that'll be fine if that's what we need to do. Uh, and this was, um, this was over a year ago that this was happening, that uh, this discussion came up to this point. And uh, we've been talking about it a long time and I said, okay, that, that sounds good. And uh, I went on a prayer walk. So this is over a year ago. I'm on a prayer walk right after we'd kind of come up with this. And, and sometimes on a prayer walk, I pick a subject I wanna pray about. Sometimes I just say, Lord, I wanna walk with you and let's just you know, talk and whatever. And so I didn't have this chosen as a topic, but I came home from my walk and I told Carol, I said, my whole conversation, the whole time was consumed thinking and talking about, about this year that we've picked. I think we've made a mistake. 
And she says, what? And I said, well, it just dawns on me, that's gonna be an off year of our all in. And if we do that, then I'm gonna be casting a vision for two years and then somebody else is gonna have to come in and pick up that vision. That's not fair to them. We need to do it where they begin that two-year period. So we either need to do it a year earlier or a year later. Well, I was seeing how things were moving uh, in the, the um, uh, idea of who could possibly be on this, the person to replace me. And you know, I said, you know what? I think we ought to do it in 2019. And so at our February meeting in 2018, so one year ago, we made a decision that all agreed with and felt good about it. Said, let's, let's make the target September uh, 22, our anniversary, 42nd anniversary uh, of 2019. Well, Carol and I, as more we thought about it, we said, what ideal um, timing for two reasons. One, for the welfare of the church. Um, we hired a consultant that's probably the best consultant in this field of, of of transitions and so forth and let them see everything we were planning and doing and they were just very complimentary and said, boy, what you're doing is just beyond, you know, what we normally would ever see. But, but um, uh, two things came out of it. One, the welfare of the church, the consultant and peers that I'm talking to that are, are my friends in ministry who've already uh, in years past or presently uh, are at that position of, of transition or retirement I talked to them and it became real apparent to me how wise this could be because uh, I learned that, do you know that a pastor typically will attract people who are 10 years younger and 10 years older? And I thought, if I wait much later, there's not gonna be people 10 years older. <laughs> I said, you know, I gotta do this pretty soon. But the reality is too that there's an S-curve in business. You hear about this, the S-curve, and you always want to make transition at the top going up. You don't want to do it when it's turning down. And no doubt about our ministry, this is an uptime for our church and, and thought this would just really be a good time. It wouldn't be wrong if a pastor stays longer. I mean, that's God's call on every person's life individually. I believe that with all my heart. But it just seems so wise and good to do that. But also that I could make my best contribution to the kingdom in the, in the years that I have left, and, um, which will include three things primarily. One, I'll be assistant pastor at this church. There was a role for me as an assistant pastor. I would have been willing to say, fine, if you don't have one, but there was a, a role for me as assistant pastor that we thought would be very helpful and good. Uh, number two, uh, to stay on the, st on the teaching team. Uh, now, I, I won't be doing as much, but you've seen over the years, I just keep paring back further and further and my voice gets a little quieter, a little quieter and putting other leaders up front for stuff instead of me. That's, that's kind of the plan, what we've been doing. But now, if you're an old timer, you'll relate. If you're new, you won't understand. But uh, in essence, I'm gonna become the next Steve Brown. <laughs> so, a man that we had that would come in here quarterly and he'd be able to preach for us and this, that, and the other. And so I, we've always loved Steve and, and so forth. So I become now the old man uh, at this point. But, uh, uh, and then the third was be for me to focus on national, international, life on life. And I'll tell you, we've got to tell you the story of what's happening there. It's, it's beyond your imagination what you as a church have done to imprint the world with uh, this kingdom important message. So, um, Anyway, I, I really have always assumed 40. Uh, that just kind of been my number for a long time, and I don't know why, but maybe it's because I've thought of this so many years ago and kept thinking, okay, if you look at, at, at Moses, he led Israel for how long? 40 years. And then you look at, at David, he was king of Israel, 40 years. And then you look at Solomon, he was king of Israel, 40 years. My mentor, Frank Barker, I'd watched him, and, and he announced his leaving Staying on the staff of the church as an assistant pastor is like I'll be doing, but he announced that and it was at his 40th and everyone then, I remember saying, but you're so young, you got plenty, of you're not slowing down, keep going. And he said, no, this is good for our church. It's the best thing we can do. My other mentor, Jim Baird, I called him this last week and was talking to him about this and I asked him about, I didn't even know how long, I said, tell me about how long were you in ministry? Well, his commitment was 40 years. And he got to year 38, had a heart attack, and he had to resign immediately because of his, his health reasons. But he said, it was always my intention to get to the 40. And so, 
That just seemed to be right. Well, the question is, why announce now? Well, this has been planned for a long time to be announced now. Um, we think about a half a year in between announcement and the time of, of the transition is a really good amount of time because there are a lot of things that have to be done between now and then. From presbytery to our equipping and preparing and, and transitioning and visioning and all the things we have to do now that it's made known and it's going to be uh, official, then we can do some new things that we think are some things that have to be done before that time. Uh, and we thought any longer that would not be healthy. It would just be too long and shouldn't do that. So the EMT and the ELT, uh, they looked at all the options and all the people in the circles and everything, and it was, it was agreed by all and not just in a day's meeting, trust me, but it was agreed by all that God was giving us the great gift of hitting bullseye and that we believe that Jeff Norris is that next person. So, amen. And, and that tells you why right there. We all know that. It just, it just seems so obvious to all. But, uh, but certainly, with us, we wanted to make sure because uh, we didn't want to take something like this lightly. It wasn't that, hey, yeah, he'd be a good guy. Let's bring him in. So for the, for the uh, second of his three plus three half years that he's been here, we evaluated him ruthlessly without him ever knowing it. <laughs> I mean, literally, he'd leave a meeting. We'd ask these questions. Let's check on this. How does he do this? How did he meet with so-and-so? What happened to this? What happened to that? What happened to this? And we'd listen, and everything just was so good. We said, okay, now... Let's do this. We know that it may not happen, but I told him, I said, Jeff, you are being considered, you know, in a very serious way to be, uh, you know, encouraged to be our next pastor. Would you be open to that? And he was very open. He was humbled. He said, that just blows my mind that you'd want me, but I'd, I'd, I'd be, you know, really open to the process. And so for the last year and a half, uh, we have evaluated him with his knowledge. I mean, really in big ways. Um, he was already on our... Uh, ELT, and uh, uh, a year ago, uh, I put him as our assistant directional leader because my year was beginning in essence, and I want to make sure now that, so we had him in there on the team already, and uh, so half the time since that time, he has been leading your church. He's been leading our leadership team. He's been leading just, he's been up front with our staff. He's been, and I've just pulled more and more and more of the background and nothing changed at all. It just kept going the same way. And, and I was thrilled with that. Uh, we knew that uh, it's the EMT's responsibility to nominate a nominating committee that the congregation has to approve. And, uh, and, and we knew that the EMT, the elder ministry team, they were in the heart and root of everything. They knew, they understand our philosophy, what we're doing, our strengths, our weaknesses. They knew everything. And I said, they're the most qualified people. I'd been asked uh, during this last year to go to a very strong, wonderful church. They lost their pastor unexpectedly and they were starting a new search. And uh, they asked me to come in and, and work with their leaders and just talk to them about how do we go about the search. And... Um, and one of the things I feel so strongly about, we're going about it the wrong way if we just do the get two youth and two this and two this and two that. And we got, you know, now let's let them listen to all the tapes of whoever they want to watch and listen to and, and find somebody and meet with them if you like them and make them your candidate. I say, that is not a... So I asked them, I said, I want you to do this. I think there are about eight questions that you have got to answer before you can ever think about who you want your pastor to be. And their question is about the church, not about that person. It's about the church. And I said, who can answer these questions? The only people that could answer them are the elders of the church that have been engaged in giving it leadership for the long haul. And so I asked the EMT that if they, with their spouses, would serve as a, what we've been calling a provisional nominating committee, and that it would be chaired by Tom Rhodes, uh, one of our longtime elders here, uh, I'm not on the team, uh, to do the due diligence to see if we are going in the right direction. And um, they were willing to do that. They've met with Jeff and with Rachel, and you'll hear later, not today, but you will hear uh, his report on all of that. Um, so if elected as nominee committee, they will unanimously nominate Jeff. We wanted to make sure 
that we were really on, on track with this. And so this last Tuesday, without their knowledge, they were not aware that any of this was coming up. Uh, I took the staff and I asked them. Uh, we didn't have all of our staff there, but we had enough to get a great poll on, on what they felt. And we asked them if they would just do a, a straw vote and uh, let's find out what they would say. Uh, we had 135 staff that um, uh, indicated yes, zero who said no. Our whole staff, they know he's the one they want to, uh, to lead them from this point on. Uh, we had our officers meeting, regular officers meeting this uh, last Thursday, and we invited spouse to this meeting, not knowing why and what and so forth, but, but uh, we didn't have all of our officers there by any stretch. Of the magic. We have about 300 uh, officers, uh, but uh, the ones that we had there, we voted. We had uh, 286 yes and three no. So uh, it just says uh, the leadership of this church believes it very strongly. Well, the Book of Church Order, which is a guideline by which we've submitted uh, in the leadership of an organization that we are submissive to in appropriate ways. We're under the Word of God as our only rule of faith and practice, but we have directives like anybody in, 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 in an operation is going to submit to their authorities in an appropriate way. And uh, it requires the congregation, you people, to elect both the nominating committee and the nominee. And we will follow that procedure. Uh, we do believe that because we are using this multiple option plan that instead of electing a committee and then have them do their due diligence, uh, we've reversed that. And instead, what we've done is asking the congregation to elect the provisional committee uh, to become the permanent, the real committee. And, and then it, the, the, uh, the due diligence has already been completed at that time. We wanted to double check that we were not out of accord. Uh, we went to the leadership of the PCA, both the stated clerk and the administrator. I walked through the whole thing with both, and they both said um, it absolutely approved uh, it, 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 said what you're doing is outstanding. They applauded it. They even said, we believe this is going to, we predict this is going to become the model for other churches because this is a, this is a very healthy plan that, uh, that we like very much. So what's next for us uh, this Wednesday for any that would like to participate at 7 o'clock on the 27th? Uh, we're going to have an online Q&A for any questions that people might want to ask. Um, the um, uh, uh, big question that I've certainly heard several times from those that have heard now, uh, well, what about the teaching team? Well, the teaching team is staying the same. I mean, it's, it's going to be Jeff and Caleb and Bob and me, and uh, that's our team. Uh, of course, uh, the reps that I will take will certainly be minimized, but it will be the same team, even as we have had up to this time. Um, the second thing we're going to be doing is we're going to ask all of you that are members and any interested attenders to join us next Sunday night for a historic night in the life of this church. And we're going to meet right here at 6 o'clock in the auditorium. Uh, we'll have a congregational meeting where we will vote on the nominating committee. Uh, we will hear from Tom Rhodes and uh, about his, their meeting with Jeff and Rachel and some of the insights that you will absolutely love hearing that. And then we'll have the vote on Jeff. And all this assumes that the votes are, are, are yes. Uh, we'll then hear from Carol and from me. And we'll have an opportunity to share a little bit about our future plans and our excitement and why we're so thrilled with this and so forth. And then we're going to celebrate uh, we're going to celebrate this major milestone. And when it's all done, we're going to have a photo uh, of everybody here because uh, we've had this long-discussed uh, time capsule that I can't wait we're going to do. And uh, I think that should be a part of that time capsule. We'd like for you to put on your calendars a special date, our 42nd anniversary, the very day of it, September 21 and 22, our services uh, that weekend, where I'll be able to give a charge to the congregation before that night, which the 22nd that evening, uh, will be Jeff's installation service, assuming all goes as we think it will. Uh, Jeff will be installed that night. And then, beginning at noon today, you can go to our transition website, uh, which is perimeter.org slash transition, and you can get pictures and bios of the provisional nominating committee so you can know who is the, this group that's been evaluating and so forth. Uh, you can meet Jeff's family on an eight-minute video where he'll introduce them, and then he'll share in brief uh, a vision, the vision he has for the church in the coming years. And then... Um, uh, you've, you can find, too, there a video that I made Friday that's all this information in a video format where it can go out to anybody who was not here or would like to hear what we are, what we are doing. 
Uh, so I really encourage you, if there are people you see that weren't at church and, and they heard and they're asking, say, hey, go to this website, listen to the story in full, get it in its context, and I think that will be, um, that will be good. Um, Carol and I, along with the leadership of this church, we are thrilled. I mean, we are just thrilled with, with the choices that have been made. We're thrilled with the the choice of, of, of timing. We're thrilled with the choice of the candidate and wife. We're, we're just, we're thrilled with the whole thing. And um, I don't know if you, I don't know how well you can know this. Newcomers, you wouldn't, but this has been a blessed place for 42 years. I mean, beyond understanding, this place has been blessed. And um, I had an experience this last weekend to preach where I preached my very first sermon. And um, I talk about my first sermon really being here, and I don't put this one as my first one often because the mic wasn't on and nobody heard a word I said. But <laughs> it was in Macon, First Press, where I worked when I chose, when I left college to go to graduate school of theology seminary. I uh, went there to work in the summer. I wanted to work under Jim Baird, one of my mentors, who'd been my pastor in high school. And I went there for the summer and then the next summer and then the next summer and the year in between that until the next summer and then I went back to finish my graduate school. During that year, Carol and I were married and it was a, an important time in our life. But what happened to me in that church during those years was very, very special, very special. My first exposure to church and being in it and so forth. And uh, so I'm there preaching on Sunday, this last Sunday. And I'm waiting for the second service. I'm sitting there with the pastor. And he says, it's about 10 minutes till time for the next service. I need to go do a few things. You can sit here and pray, whatever. And I said, thank you. And I'm just sitting there. I'm in the parlor. As I'm sitting there, I can hear the music, the, the, the choirs. They're practicing down the hall. I remembered that from 45 years ago. And I thought, oh, wow. And then I just had these flashbacks of memory. And I thought about the little room next to it that I was sitting in and just begrudgingly saying, oh God, I want to be out there and I'd have to be over the taping of the service or the, the conference or whatever and I was missing it and I just said, oh, I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear. God was so working in my life. God used me in young people's lives and I saw how many of those people were on an 18-man session at that time, their elder board, that I had led to the Lord or discipled during that time. And I just thought how God's kingdom had come in that place in my life and through my life. And I just like, I was awed. But I think the reason I was thinking this is because right before my friend, the pastor, Chip walked out, he said, you know, it's just a couple of years. We celebrate this church's 200th anniversary. And I went, wow. So I date back and realize it'd been a, a century and a half going when I got there before. And all that has happened before and since and I thought, think how God's kingdom has been impacted through that church. All of these years, it happened 150 years prior to me being there. And I thought, to this day, I bet you the pastor, no other person in the church, maybe wrong, but I bet not one of them could tell you who the senior pastor of that church was when it was started. They couldn't tell you anything that happened the first 42 years of that church. But God's kingdom had come in a powerful way and it still keeps coming. And I found my heart leaping. I just thought, oh God, think about it. We're just laying a foundation. Thankful, no one will know my name. They won't know anything that you've done over these 42 years. But they'll know this, there must have been a great foundation laid for it to keep going at that time. And that's what we have the blessing of being a part of. So, in my opinion, let me tell you, you're an amazing church. You stand beyond all. I've never, I can't imagine, I really couldn't imagine a church any better than you. And at the same time, I say that Perimeter, in my opinion, is the healthiest it's ever been. That's my judgment. I have factors, not just a general feeling. I've got things that I look at and it's not size of the church. That is not an important issue. But it's health. And we're at a healthy place. And I believe that we're in the best years to come. I think they lie ahead of us. That's what's gonna be happening here. We've laid the foundation. And now we just keep going. And you young folks, you're gonna build it and build it and build it. God's kingdom just keeps coming. So to go back to the fight, go back to our, our message. This has been Carol and my ministry side of 
our fight for the last few years to figure out what numbering our days means as it relates to the call God has given to us. I think it's gonna become clearer uh, this next Sunday night when she and I get to share what our next chapter here at Perimeter and Beyond will be. And uh, I'm convinced that uh, it's the way that we can best number our days. So I'll go back to the text in full next week in Psalm 90. I hope you have prepared for it. And um, I just wanna go back to the truth of the gospel as I always do. The good news. The good news is what Christ has done for us. And yes, this text is gonna give us three wonderful reasons why we would fight to number our days. However, the real reason is because of his love for us. And all we have to do, and we need to keep doing it, is go back to the cross and look what he did when he gave his life. That, that should be the reason. Why would we fight to number our days instead of just experience it, let it come and enjoy it? Why wouldn't we number our days? If we really believe that the one who created us and give, gives us our days is the one that loves us beyond all and what he tells us is best for us. So go back to the cross. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for, we thank you for the church. We thank you for your, your foundation of this church that you have laid um, through the many that have been here for years and those that have just joined of recent in this foundation laying. And we thank you and we pray, Father, that, that you would use this to help us all number our days in our, in our work, in our family, uh, in our faith walk, in every aspect of our lives. Would you grant that? And so we give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask uh, Bob Carter to come, um, take just a couple minutes. Bob is the pastor of your church. And, um, and I don't just say that to you. I, I said that, I've said that for years and years. People say, so you're the pastor of Perimeter Church? I say, well, I actually know. There's a guy named Bob Carter who's the pastor. I happen to be the lead teacher, and I'm the directional leader. I'm not the pastor, but he is for sure. And I've been on our staff for 33 of his 39 years here, and uh, God's just wired him to be the pastor. That, and everybody, staff and officers and beyond know he's the real pastor. And so after I had shared this with Tuesday with the staff, we had had Bob just to talk to our staff for a few minutes as a pastor. And then uh, it was so beneficial that we said, let's do that with the officers too, because he's their pastor. And because he serves too as your pastor, uh, we thought, hey, maybe it'd be good for us to take a couple of minutes and share a few thoughts about that. Afterwards, um, Laura's gonna lead us in a song. Actually, she's gonna sing for us a song that she wrote for our 40th anniversary. Every step, it, for me, is a tearjerker. So when you see me afterwards, they've asked me to do the benediction. For when I come up to do that, I will probably be crying. It is not because I'm sad at all. In fact, somebody came up to me and asked me after the staff meeting, said, this has got to be a sad moment for you. Uh, are, you are you sad? I'm not going to tell you the answer I gave him, but I'm going to tell it to you Sunday night, next Sunday night. But I want to assure you this, I'm not sad. I'm really glad for what God's doing. I am. And, but but I, I'm so thankful for what God... You, when, you, when you watch the words and listen and use these words that she's written, oh, you'll see why. And then to go into great is thy faithfulness. Oh, my. It, it, it can catch the heart pretty hard. So put on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Okay, but first, Bob, come share with us, all right? Thanks, Randy. Um, so... Uh, I've been here, my wife Debbie and I have been here for 39 years, and uh, I, with, along with a number of staff, have known about this transition plan for quite a number of years, and, and uh, so I was asked to come and speak to the staff last Tuesday and then the officers on Thursday, and when I was asked to come and speak, I, uh, I was like, wow, this is happening. You know, we've been talking about it. And I'm aware of it, but all of a sudden, it's becoming reality. And it was kind of a shock to the system. And I didn't think it would be, but it was. And as I say that, you know, I've, been, I've lived with this, like many of us uh, around here, knowing that we're going to eventually come to it. I, I've, I thought this morning, if you're here, like, if you're new to Perimeter, or if you're the first time, I don't know what you're thinking. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it was kind of a shock. So, uh, but genuinely, as I, as I was driving over here Tuesday morning, last Tuesday, I felt excited about the future, excited about where we're going, excited for the next 40 years, if I could say it that way. 
and uh, excited for Jeff and Rachel and them coming in. So uh, genuinely excited. I must confess that as we went through the week, I felt sad. And I felt sad because, like I said, 39, we're here 39 years. And so uh, my wife Debbie and I have sat under the leadership of Rainey and Carol and, and been a part of Perimeter. And so it's kind of a grieving, it's kind of a loss. You feel like, oh, we're losing something here. And I think that's normal. So here's what I wanna say to you. If some of you are feeling sad, that's okay. You're normal, you're like me, okay? So we, 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 uh, we have some sadness here. Uh, but it's tempered with, with uh, enthusiasm and excitement. And I also will say that uh, uh, if you do need to talk to somebody about it, the pastoral staff, the shepherding staff, I'm one of them among many, we'd be happy to talk with you. You can, I'll, I'll, I'll be down here after the service. You wanna talk to me or if you wanna call or email us, we'll be happy to sit down with you if you need to process this, kind of what's happening. But I can say this with all sincerity. I am genuinely, one of the reasons why I'm genuinely excited is because um, we are, as Randy mentioned, in a healthy place. And I think the reason, one of the reasons why we're in a healthy place is that we're not a personality-driven church. One of the reasons why we're in a healthy place is because I don't hear it talked about, this is Randy Pope or Randy and Carol's church. It's not, it's not, it's not Jeff Norris's church. It's not my church, it's not your church. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. And so, amen. So you can, I mean, we're not perfect, of course. I mean, we have our challenges, but you can uh, rest in the fact that your leadership is really committed to the glory of God's name, that that would be the passion of this church. So I'm gonna pray to that end, after which we will sing. Let's pray. God in heaven, we do thank you. We do thank you that the glory of your name is the passion of this church. And so, God, we desire that we would continue that over these next years, that, God, we would lift you up, and it would ultimately about, be about you and your kingdom. We thank you for Randy and Carol as they have led us and continue to lead us. And we thank you for the future. What it means is, is possibly that Jeff, and we, we're believing that, Jeff and Rachel come and take that role. But God, ultimately, it's about you. It's all about you, God, and that's what we, we desire it to be. So we thank you, and we honor you. In the name of our wonderful Savior, Jesus, amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.